Hello and welcome back to Hero of the Thousand Potions, a gaming podcast where two game likers in their 30s discuss the storytelling and gameplay of popular niche RPGs in a book club-like format. My name is Tyler. I am tired. It's season two. We're covering Final Fantasy VII Remake and its parallel content in the original game released back in 1997. Today, we're going through Hojo's Lab in both games and we're going to crack open the meaning of the whispers, I expect. Yeah, we're going to step on that landmine. Hmm. How are you feeling, Nate? You're tired. I heard you're tired. Yeah, uh, not not much else since our last recording. We're trying to get squeeze one in before you leave for another trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, y- you know, I say this with all deep love and respect. Uh, I think I, with my illnesses, was the saboteur of the Xenoblade season, <laughs> right? But I'm going to say you with your rapid fire vacations and trips and everything for work understandably so i'm not giving you shit in the slightest but i think you're you're the one sabotaging the workflow this season if i may be so bold sure that makes sense yeah that makes sense so we're we're trying to get one more in the can before you're out out the door and one more in the can before rebirth comes out Yes, we yeah. will not. We we had the slightest sliver of a thought, like could we finish? And then as we looked over our sheet, and as we talked about the stinky bathroom for a half hour, <laughs> we realized there, there's no way in hell we're finishing in time for rebirth. So it's gonna be a weird. It's gonna be mm-hmm. a weird time the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm doing good. I feel a little under the weather. I think that's because I had a few shots taken. I went to the doctor on Friday, and I'm I think I'm responding to that uh, with a little bit of unwellness today. So if I sound sick, it's probably on account of that. But it's important to push through and get through. Uh, I think Hojo's lab tonight all the same. You are not an anti-vaxer. You you take the shots, and then you are not complaining about the sickness. You're dealing. You're down for the sickness. Excuse me. Sneeze for comic effect. <laughs> yes. Yes. Should we get right into it, Nate? Indeed. Okay, indeed. We're going to have fun tonight. Okay, where are my goddamn nose? Uh, so I'm going to interject here. Let's crush the lab section of OG. Get it out of the way because they slice this up. They change the order of things in Remake. And to do it in tandem is going to be a mess. And so I think... There's a moment, there's a thing that happens in Hojo's lab and OG, and then you try and leave, and that's where the order of things kind of all blows up in your face. So let's just mm-hmm. do that, and then we'll switch to remake, and just we'll do remake for the rest of the night. Fair enough. Cool. All right, so we leave the stinky bathroom boardroom situation, right? Hmm. Where that that was the last thing we did. Something stinks, and we're uh, we want to track down Hojo. He's our guy. He's got Aerith. And leaving the the bathroom, you swing over to the boardroom. You see Hojo going up to the next floor. Cloud claims it's the first time he's seen Hojo. And uh, that's a little bit of a head-scratcher to me, I think. I figured that he had, as a member of Soldier, well, I suppose my first playthrough, that he, or not, that he was acquainted with Hojo, but uh, he claims that that's not the case. I suppose maybe in Crisis Core he saw him. In when he was uh, incarcerated under the Shinrin mansion. Do you recall anything like that? No. Well, it begs the question of what is being filtered out. Because we know Cloud does a, a bit of filtering <laughs> to what he has and has not done. So maybe it's like uh, in Metal Gear Solid 2, there's this thing that everyone does where they, um, they, they say, uh, you'll say like, oh, it's this guy. And someone will respond with a question. Like they'll say the lolly lule low. Lolly lule low. Lolly lule low. Lolly lule low. And you're like, what the, f- why does everybody do that? Well, lolly lule low as a set of characters made by a Japanese man, uh, cannot be pronounced in Japanese. Those characters don't exist in the language. So it sounds even more weird when it was in the original Japanese script but what it means is the people that you try and get information out of they have nano machines in their head that literally make it impossible for them to say the identity of who they really work for oh 
Yeah, so the the true identity is a group called the Patriots. Spoilers, I guess, if you haven't played Metal Gear series, um, which you haven't, and maybe I'm committing a prime sin here, but right. So uh, just realizing that now, but getting back to it, maybe Cloud is suffering from a little bit of like, Hojo has deleted any references of himself from Cloud's memory in the whole shakeup of what it even means to be cloud strife at this time point in time Mm -hmm. right the other side of it is though is like hojo is on like recordings of his job being celebrated openly by the company as the head of their science division so he would kind of have to know somewhat what he looks like right Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point so i think he means in person i haven't seen him up close in person sure and of course, someone else was in his role prior to that. Yes. Probably when Cloud was in the Soldier Academy. Or, well, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Involved with Shinra. Yeah, I did look up some of those. After we talked about it last time, I looked up some of those cutscenes with like Dr. Hollander and stuff. And the only thing I could really come away with it was like, wow, this is really stupid. <laughs> I don't. I'm not down with the the extra plot they added on there. Just give me Gast and give me Hojo. You got the... Good guy, bad guy. It's easy, right? So we sneak into Hojo's lab. We go through a couple hallways, and then we arrive at this test subject area. There's this red creature just off screen in a glass cylinder, but Cloud is distracted by the glowing light of a heavily armored containment pod over to the right. We look inside, and then the music changes to this track called Who Are You? Where there's um, these eerie chimes and unsettling introspective vibes that, uh, that... my sense when we listen to it and then the gameplay flashes to a rendering of a motionless ghostly white headless human-like female body it has breasts too and i'm sorry to point this out nate but one of its breasts has this weird cap over its nipple and it kind of looks like a googly eye (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think they've retconned that out yeah yeah i figured out what what the issue is Hojo, sorry, go ahead. Hojo is in that scene. He doesn't go the way you go. He just walks like blatantly by the party as they're like R two D two hiding behind a box mm. and inexplicably not seeing you. Oh yeah, um, so I recall that. Yeah. Now. He failed the uh, perception check. Cloud's ears are ringing out, and he says, "Genova, Sephiroth. So they brought it here." And also says, "It's moving." Dot dot dot. Still alive. So Cloud's having a pretty serious moment, but Barrett does not give a shit. He goes, where's his fucking head? (laughs) And this whole thing's stupid. Let's keep going. So unbothered by whatever this is. But we know that this is Genova, a headless Genova, the thing from the sky. Remember how I, those old quotes of like Cloud in his dream state with his other self and like the person saying, oh, it moved, right? Mm -hmm. There's like a direct another quote of them looking in the pod with Genova and them saying like, Oh, it moved. And I was like, always as a kid, like linking those things together of like, Oh, is like Genova part of these scenes or something like he's flashing to a later or earlier instance of this. It was all very confusing, but I think the translation of like when I was a kid playing this on PS one, this whole section of what they were talking about looking in the pod was like, very confusing to me and not really digesting what was actually happening here. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Like where's, where's its fucking head? Like, like the screen is so white and bright. I'm not even sure that I could see that there wasn't a head on it. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of information we're taking in, in this picture. Yes. And it flashes for just a split second. Anyhow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is it in the next room where we find Aerith? So there's this like, containment tube that we talked about with this animal in it but it seems like it's a multi-level like the elevator goes up because this tube probably permeates both floors because in this theoretically the same space on the next floor up Aerith is in basically the exact same thing right we see Aerith in that large glass cylinder and then that red beast from the previous screen is brought into the cylinder from below, as you mentioned. And then uh, the creature bursts out of the glass and mauls Hojo, giving Aerith a chance to escape. We think that 
our impression is, well, maybe the creature is going to breed with Aerith or is going to attack her. We don't know what's going on between Aerith and this monster, but it turns out that it's had enough of its handler <laughs> and it, and it bursts through the glass and uh, knocks Hojo to the ground and Hojo's like wrestling at it as he's, as Red 13's basically mauling him. Yeah. And the, there's like a brief moment where Red 13 is like aggressive towards Aerith. You see him like jittering in his old graphics model, like one pixel jitter, you know, mm. uh, and he's he looks like he's about to attack Aerith, and they play the like, like emergency music, and he later explains like, sorry about before. I was trying to like essentially the reason Hojo opened the door in the first place is like Red Thirteen looked like he was about to maul the shit out of Aerith, and he was like, oh oh shit, what's happening? I better get in there and figure this out. So it's not like Hojo's. He's kind of an idiot in this case, but he's not a complete idiot. Like Red Thirteen kind of played him in this instance. During this moment where Hojo's under attack, we can instruct one of our teammates to take Aerith. And if you select Barrett to go take Aerith, Barrett earns dating points. And Tifa loses dating points if you t- ask her to go take Aerith. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the logic behind that. Like, I guess you telling Barrett that you trust him to protect her, that is a positive. But I don't know what the Tifa, like, she, she's like, oh, Cloud, why don't you want me with you? Uh. <laughs> you <laughs> it's know, probably that's, like that, yes. It's probably exactly like that. The, what the developer was thinking, the way girls think, you know. And uh, it's at this point where we learn that the creature's intelligent. It speaks English. It's not a hostile, mindless, feral creature. And we get to name him Red 13. Not his real name. And Nate, if this is your second playthrough or more, are you an asshole if you don't rename him his proper name? So my second playthrough? So his real name is Nanaki. Mm-hmm. But my second playthrough, I named him Naniki, right? So uh, when I end up getting to Cosmo Canyon, it's Naniki is Nanaki. <laughs> and it's just like super confusing. So uh, I almost fixed it the second time through, but it does lead to some confusion. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I necessarily love the name Red 13. I, I didn't. It didn't jive with me as a kid. I didn't find it cool or interesting or compelling. The lore behind it is also, it doesn't exactly make sense anymore because like he is, he is red 13, the, the like 13th experiment of Hojo. Mm-hmm. And, and we've met all these other numbered people, the, the number tattoo that, uh, like the this guy are sick in the tube and you look down and you find out he has a tattoo number and everything mm-hmm. and these um these dudes they all wear like they eventually don the black coats and they go on the trip to do the reunion we will soon be we've seen them in remake we will soon be seeing more of them in rebirth if the trailers are to be believed right so why is Red 13 completely immune to this? If he's a tattooed experiment number like product in this production line of Hojo's, why is he like one not a humanoid, two doesn't have side effects of Hojo's experimentation on him? There's a whole lot of like this doesn't really add up, but I looked into it and originally in early development of Final Fantasy 7, it was intended that there were like going to be multiple different colored like beasts that were created by Hojo that all mm. had a number to them. So there's going to be like a, I don't know, I'm just making this one up, but like blue five or something. And they scrapped that at some point in development, but the name mm. stuck because they all thought it was cool. I don't especially think it's all that cool. If I'm being honest, it is interesting that he retains his, lab rat dog affectation when he mm-hmm. meets the other folks because after we're gonna get into a boss fight but afterwards he's like i like what are you who are you well i am what you see and uh well you can call me this for now I, it doesn't particularly bother him that they that that they refer to him as a specimen name uh which is 
very strange and detached from his natural name. And uh, But that's what he asks us to call him, and that's the default name, Red 13. Now, it would be more interesting. It, you know, there's some... I don't know how much you would go into this calling this appropriation or whatever, but, like, there's some degree, like, he's got what we would call probably a Native American heritage to some level, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that the stylings and, you, you know history of like the Japanese people. I I don't necessarily see anything that inspires his kind of worldview outlook, the, the feathers and the collars and you know, all the, everything he wears. I I don't necessarily see anything in that in like Japanese history. So I'm leaning towards the music played as his theme song, his design, everything that that's the inspiration for him. Yeah. His weapon is headdresses he does have like war paint on his face. Yeah. And so the, there might be something a little problematic in the fact that like he is identified as red and like that is mm-hmm. his fur color. He's more orange if we're being honest, but <laughs> orange 13 probably sounds dumb, but uh, there, there might be something a little problematic if you were to just call him red. But I think like that is kind of would be the cooler name of like, Let's say instead of Nanaki, you give him a big, long, difficult to pronounce name and he says it right then and there. But he's like, I don't mind. Uh, You know, most people just call me red for the color of my fur or something. I think that that's a lot cleaner and more understandable than what we're dealing with of like, wait, are we really going to call you your experiment number for the rest of the game? I guess so. Well, that's up to you. if You rename him. Yeah, we're not. I'm going to name him Bill. Why not? Old Bill? Farewell, Bill? Mines are no place for a pony. Even one so brave as Bill. Bye-bye, Bill. Shout out to (laughs) Bill from Lord of the Rings. A pony. So Hojo calls in another specimen into the room to stop us. It's boss time, Nate. This is sample H0512, an ugly motherfucker. Big, ugly flesh beast. Has three little flesh balls that he commands. A lot of poisoning to be done throughout this fight. If you kill the sample, the flesh balls die as well. Drops a talisman, which gives spirit, which is spell armor. Uh, how was this fight for you, Nate? My MMO brain says, kill the ads. That's a waste of time in this one. I did not kill you. Because he yes. will instantaneously res those very ads. You know, uh, so... Once I realized that it was just all fire all day on the fat guy, the big mm-hmm. bulbous mass. He's like a zombie in a way. He's a he's a mashed together cacophony of flesh. You know, it's interesting that like Hojo's failed experiments are like the ones that are much more human and end up being more successful at things than he gives them credit for. Whereas, like, the Mm. ones that he keeps on hand that he's like, oh, this thing is badass. This thing is great. It's like, that is a horrible, useless monstrosity that, like, long term, you will not be able to talk to this thing. (laughs) Or, like, I don't know if it's programmed or it's got, like, you know, the nano machines from earlier in its brain to just make it do what you want. But it's like, how are you going to deploy this thing in, in warfare? Like, do you have to kill it after it's done killing everybody you want to kill? Or is there like a containment pod you put it back in? I don't know. That's that's just me. Hojo Hojo loves his big gooey icky shit. <laughs> Something stinks. Yeah, it's your own experiments, buddy. Yeah. So when it dies, we decide that everyone's going to rendezvous at the floor sixty six elevators. But before that happens, we get to speak with Red Thirteen a little bit and. The script kind of fails me in this moment because we're trying to very concisely trying to project intelligence into this creature. And so when, I don't know, maybe it's Barrett that says, what are you? And uh, Red 13 goes, uninformed question, to be sure. I am what you see. And I don't know if this is a localization dilemma or if it is, or if it is actually expressed as such, but I feel like that's just what you would say if you're trying to project intelligence, like as an absolute minimum, boilerplate, quick and dirty, mm-hmm. pseudo philosophical pandering. Like, I am what you see. Blah, 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 blah. 
So uh, shout out to Michael Basket, um, localization master of the English translation. Right. It, it kind of reminds me, this is a little bit left out of left field, but in the movie Looper, you have Bruce Willis meeting Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is like the young version of himself. And they're sitting there. They they try and spend like 15 seconds, 30 seconds talking about how time travel works. And Bruce Willis's character just slams the table and he's like, it doesn't fucking matter. I don't want to talk about time travel shit. Because if we start talking about it, then we're going to be here all day talking about it, making diagrams with straws. It doesn't matter. When I hurt myself. It changes your body. This is what I do now. Change your memory. It doesn't matter. And it's <laughs> it's kind of like this fourth wall break of like, just watch the time travel movie, please. Stop trying to figure <laughs> out how time travel actually would work in the time travel movie. And Red 13, I believe, is having this moment of like, he could say, I am blah, blah, blah of this tribe and my people are date back a, a thousand years or whatever. He could give this long explanation. But what we're really looking for is, are you a wolf, a tiger, a dog? <laughs> like, that's what us, the player, we're like, what, what's going on here? What am I pulling from? Lion, wolf, I don't know. And I think Red's answer is, don't worry about it. Some guy drew me this way. It's not that big a deal. I'm into it. That's my like spirit out of my body explanation for your question there of why he said that. If you talk to a lab tech on your way out, he gives you the floor 86 card. But if you try to go to the to floor 86 and access that floor, your allies will berate you for going the wrong way. I don't have a memory of how useful this is when you go back to Midgar at the end of disc two OG, but I assume that it is the case because we can't go in right now. Well, the concept is like we came here for Aerith. There is no reason to go up. The goal is get the fuck out now. So that's kind of that. Now, the location of the door to get out of this place, did that? Did anyone else get fucked over by that? Did you? It was absolutely the last possible route I looked for. After I exhausted all other options, did I check the tube elevator? Right. Well, for me, in, in the lab area, the place where we had this conversation with Hojo, there is a door you have to go through, and vertically you see the blue light of, I can go through this door, and you're looking at this from a bird's eye view, but the lab has two sections to it. There is a ramp you can run up and a grate you mm. can walk along and all this. The door is on the first floor. <laughs> so me running up that ramp and trying to get through the, the blue light that I see from the second floor is a failure. And it's funny because as soon as I like did this for a, probably a good three or four minutes, tried to figure it out, this happened to me this time playing through the game and it clicked to me like, oh, I've been here before. I've done this like five other times so for the last 25 years. So it's like, I'm maybe it's just a weird me thing that my brain works that way. But yeah, so I was essentially locked in the building until I discovered the one route you can go, which is out the back door of Hojo's lab to get to the elevators. So yeah. And you're in random battles throughout Hojo's lab, predominantly fighting these ugly-ass zombie dogs called Zaynenes. They have a lot of health, and they hit pretty hard, so it slows you down pretty good, getting confused and turned around here. Watch me whip. <laughs> Nate, what happens when you crawl into the elevator? Rude shows up behind you and says, going up? And then Sung joins him and says something along the lines of, like, wow, you guys have been having a blast, haven't you? <laughs> Running around the building having your little romp but it's over now we are under arrest yes i think we can cover the next scene too because it's mostly short and pointless sure we cut to president shinra's office we are all handcuffed we're handcuffed lego people mm -hmm. the president explains that the ancients well their actual proper name is the setra and that he expects Aerith to show shinra the way to the promised land so they can build Neo Midgar. And that's about all that happens in the scene. And then he goes, if, I've, if you have anything else, you can talk to my secretary. Another quick and dirty dismissive mm -hmm. hoity toy CEO. Right. Put down. 
this guy is basically exposition in a suit because <laughs> they're uh and, and barrett as they're parting barrett spits on him but i'm going to go back to the sector five reactor when we talked about like why did he show up in the helicopter he accomplished absolutely nothing said nothing and did nothing in that exchange and then told us holy shit i'm late bye and it's like why are you here so for me this is another scene of why are we here you you found the terrorists and he didn't ask us any questions like what were you hoping to accomplish where are your accomplices do you have any more bombs what you know is everyone mm-hmm. to tell me or i will you know i'll kill the I'll kill tifa or whatever he doesn't do any of that he actually informs us more and clears up problems for us he's helping us in this exchange so again previously he missed his dinner now he's got spit on his nice suit and i'm just like bro you need to stop doing this you (laughs) you need to ask yourself the question of like do i do i need this interaction in my life right now like that's it's something i have to tell my wife from time to time of She's she's got all these people in the Navy circling around her and stresses balancing and dealing with them. And I have to tell her, you know, maybe you just don't need to entertain that interaction with that person anymore. You know, you see them at work and then you don't need to see them anymore after that. And, uh, you know, I think President Chinra needs to listen to that same advice. Is this OG's first mention of Neo Midgar? Was it in the boardroom? I the, can't the remember. Neo get oh, no, plan. it was. It yeah. was, yes. Yeah. All right. So he he didn't entirely inform us of new yeah. information. It was it was even more useless. Yeah. Basically. Okay. It's it's got it. It's uh like they gotta build him up as the big bad guy. But in your mm-hmm. second playthrough, you're just like, wow, you're you're a dumbass, right? <laughs> it does achieve a point of adding like some level of additional shock value at a later point, knowing Mm -hmm. that we've had some moments with this guy. So I'll give the writers of the game credit at that point, but you have to make the character believable just as much as the purpose of the character is there. Right. Maybe we should have been in some torture room by the Turks Yes. Where they've got the entire posse together and they're just beating the crap out of Barrett and and Barrett gets to demonstrate his his physical strength and and ability to endure being beat up. Right. And you can like in, in different each different like torture session, you can choose from a list of answers and one of them would just be in all caps mayor. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe you out the mayor yeah exactly because he's the one that made you in all caps say best bomb whatever and Mm -hmm. so now they give you like the same formatted list of where are your accomplices and one of them is just mayor and i think that'd be i mean they probably don't want to give me comic relief at this point but i'd love it i'd think that was poetic in a way you have an opportunity to like point blame at somebody and you lose lots of dating points (laughs) Yes. Turns out Tifa doesn't want to go on a date with you after you uh, tell your torturer <laughs> she's responsible for a bombing mission. Yeah. Who's the leader of Avalanche? Tifa. <laughs> she's literally the only one that doesn't want to be in it. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. I think that wraps up OG. Like, we're past this. There's like substitutions of scenes, remixes of scenes, everything. And it's best we just handle remake now right would we agree on that yeah what happens next is folks are locked up and we have some uh more opportunity to talk to folks but we're going to go back to remake because it's a doozy all right in remake we do follow hojo to the next room or to the next floor he opens the door to his lab and we slip in after him we go through a couple halls and it feels like a spaceship in here there's these uh, metal panel like uh, walls and floors and uh, the vibe is very different here than in anywhere else in the shinra building it's a lot darker than og2 like both my thumbnails for this section of the game i call it the hojo dojo (laughs) what we're about to get into (laughs) nice but uh 
this like everything is very dark and like dimly lit dark blues dark lighting everything and uh which allows all of those like glowing panels and data things and test tubes to like stand out more Mm -hmm. where it was all pretty bright and well lit and more like the clean futurism look in in og so a bit of a change there. We sneak up on Hoju and Barrett has him at gun arm point, but I have the wrecking ball on him in this scene and it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bash you in the face with this. That would freaking I'd, hurt. Bullets don't I'd deal any damage in this game. So yeah, I think a, that's true. I think a big steel ball. would. Yeah. This is a little tangent, but I always role played that like, Basically, at all times, some people have some sort of protect spell on them, just like natively. Mm. People people just walk around the street like you're walking around Chicago. It's a good idea to have your protect material on you just in case like a hail of bullets flies out of an alleyway somewhere and it hits you and you get that like uh, stones hitting plastic sound or whatever that they sure. do in in the game. And you're like, oh god, that was that was scary, and oh, I, I might even have a little bit of a bruise from the impact, but I'm good. So that's kind of in my head the way I play off guns mm-hmm. in Final Fantasy games. Until the one, there's always, or like any game that does this, there's always the one scene where, like, you're in the cutscene, and now the one bullet will just shoot someone through the heart and one shot them instantaneously, and it's like, wait a second, I'm confused. <laughs> So, yeah. So cruel. That does not happen in this. I'm. It's a, just me making that reference up. I don't have any quotes from Hojo as we interact with him, but he is really not impressed with us as we walk him through his lab towards Aerith. I think the vibe he gets is like, oh, you're Avalanche. You're pissed off at the president. He's upstairs. Like, he doesn't care. And Barrett is almost like, no, we're actually here for her, the girl you have in the test tube. And so he's like, oh, shit. Can't have that. Dang it. But like the idea that terrorists would be running through the building and are going to kill your boss. He's like, eh, not my problem. <laughs> at least I, I that's what I'm remembering. I can relook at the footage. That's fine. He's probably in support of it. Well, I mean, I guess President Shinra lets him. I'll keep him on a pretty loose leash in the first place, but I can imagine that, uh, well, should Rufus come into power, you probably have even more freedom mm-hmm. under his uh, regime. All right, I'll give you the quote right here. You must be the ones who've been stirring up trouble lately. The eco-terrorists. If so, I can't imagine what business you have with me. You must be the ones who've been stirring up trouble lately. The eco-terrorists. If so, I can't imagine what business you have with me. The president's upstairs. Go on, shoot. So, yeah, that's the vibe he's giving. He doesn't care. But as a means to stop us from getting Aerith, he presses a button on his remote, which he's got kept in his coat, which releases mutant flesh balls into the lab. We take them out, and then a big mutant boss shows up to Hojo escapes in an elevator. This is the remake version of the specimen H0512 fight. Right. This boss has a discrete target on it. It's the left claw. Um, you can steal a time-worn talisman from him, which has extra spirit on it, spell armor. Lots of poison and poison fields on the ground to dodge if memory serves. I noticed the Punisher mode works quite well on him if you're playing Cloud. And then at some percentage of health, I don't recall exactly, phase two begins in which he begins to drain tanks of full, uh, fluid that are dispersed throughout the room and he transforms and has new abilities and releases stronger fleshball ads. Nate, how was this fight for you? As opposed to the OG experience, I think in this case it is important to kind of keep the ads dealt with to some degree because otherwise they will explode. And if there's a lot of them, they will basically fill the room with explosions. In my experience, I don't know if you saw that or you had a different way of dealing with that. I took care of ads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting because recently I've been playing Metroid Prime on Switch because it came oh. out a year ago. Yet I didn't ever, I never really got around to it. It was just on my back burner perpetually, right? 
and uh, I've been playing it with while my son has been like downstairs. I'm downstairs. I got the switch, and I can just move that to the downstairs TV with ease with an extra dock. And so I've been playing that a bit more when I'm taking care of him. And uh, there's a lot of little floaty things that fly around and discharge energy and jump on you and suck energy out of you. And he grabs you with his claw and drains you. And he's a big, ugly mutant. And there's a lot of, in that game, pods full of Phazon that people drain and use to become more powerful. So I was getting a lot of overlap with the Metroid Prime experience, both Mm. in, I think, here in this fight, but also the music of the lab section we're about to get into. So I was feeling like, man, I'm like playing Metroid Prime twice at the same time in this experience, which is kind of funny. And side, side note, today even, my son ran up to me. He's like, Dada, this game's scary. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because I just got the heat visor. And like you're running mm-hmm. around in the dark getting ambushed by pirates and stuff. And mm-hmm. like hearing a lot of like in the dark and so he just he came up he's this game's scary <laughs> i was like okay uh, i'll take a break it, yeah no, he's right about that it yeah. wasn't that scary before but now it's it's kind of pulling on those horror elements a little bit because ultimately metroid was inspired by alien movie mm-hmm. series so you got to get a little bit of that in each game i guess no doubt well the prime series is so good i want them to finish it the finish the switch remasters when I fought the specimen, I I kicked his ass. Mm. I mean, apparently he'll evolve again at one-third health, but I never saw that because when I staggered it at about half health, I had Tifa do her true strike ability, which you get from Purple Pain, Purple Pain. which does extra damage to staggered enemies. Barrett did his point-blank ability, which I think has a similar function. Mm-hmm. And then... Cloud had a limit break, and so I cross-slashed him, and I fucking killed it at 50% health. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, because in other bosses, and in a boss that's coming up, um, usually your actions are interrupted when you go from one phase to another. Right. Because we gotta have that obligatory brief cutscene. But I didn't get that for this one, so I don't know if, like, maybe there isn't a a brief cutscene when we get, when he gets to one-third health, but I didn't see it, and so, yeah, I, I... I fucking kicked this dude's teeth in. I think I popped Ifrit as well during the fight, mm. and he made it incredibly easy because they're weak to fire, I believe. So, I don't actually, I don't know if that's 100% true for Mink. I think it's true for OG, but anyway, I had mm. Ifrit. He killed stuff. I killed stuff. It It ended up being easier at the end than it was at the beginning, for sure, which you would think it would go the other direction. Definitely. So we follow Hojo up the elevator to the 66th floor, Hojo's lab main level. We see Red 13 in a glass cage. Uh, There are red shirt Shinra forces and riot spiked shield dudes standing in the way between us and Aerith. And Hojo is in the, and he's in this place in in, in original too, this lofted observation station Mm -hmm. above us. We fight the forces and we kill them. And then we have another scene in which Hojo recognizes Cloud. He goes, my, are you a soldier? And Cloud says, yeah. And then Hojo goes, no, not quite. Oh, now I recall. My memory was mistaken. My boy, you weren't in soldier. Why are you a soldier? Yeah. This is quite a deviation from original. Right. Cloud goes schizo again, and we get the crackling, staticky, my head hurts stuff. And then a storm of dusty ghosts carry Hojo out of the room. (laughs) Out of nowhere, he's like, what is this fascinating phenomenon? No! What? Well, we've played Remake before, and we're going to get to why that had to happen right there. But if this is your first one, this has got to be a giant head-scratcher. Like, 
What was that all about? Why did that have to happen right then and there? Yes. Mm-hmm. And there is no character that understands it. We can guess that maybe there's one that gets it, but uh, at this point, everybody's kind of confused. They're not even confused, man. They don't, nobody has anything to say about it. Not even Hojo when you see him next. Yeah. That's the baffling part is like they see it and nobody has a comment about it, but they also like, there isn't like, oh, them again. It's, it's those guys. They're here to help because they have kind of helped in the past. They've also hurt in the past, but you know, you get the idea. Then again, not everyone can see them, right? So so Hojo can. Well, we don't know. Is he just being whisked off by air and that's all he sees does he specifically say like who are these ghosts he says what is this interesting phenomenon or something mm, like that mm-hmm. but we know that cloud didn't see it until he touched Aerith. yes so maybe hojo has at some point touched Aerith, but but tifa's been in combat with ghosts in sector seven is it like an infection can cloud spread it to others because everybody in sector seven saw it but the denizens of Sector 7 at large were like, why was Barrett just firing wildly into the air? Mm-hmm. So the denizens of the town at large couldn't see them, but maybe Cloud infected them with ghostly stuff. Anybody he came in direct contact with. But The yeah. logic may simply not be that airtight. Yes, I agree with that. But here we are, two podcasters trying to make sense of all this shit. Fools, Nate. It's content, baby. It's content. Barrett shoots up the lock in Aerith's cage and both her cage and Red 13's opens. We fight some armored shock troopers. They're kind of like the ones in that we fight in original where they they have these big battle suits and then they shed and turn into these zero suit Samus folks. But these guys have lightsabers. The shock trooper form do. Last week it was the Ninja Turtle references. This week it's Metroid references. Rollerblading zero suit ninjas. Cyber Ninjas. They gave Samus high heels in like one of the later Smash Brothers games. Zero Suit Samus. They gave her high heels on her suit. And everybody's like, well, oh, that's sexualization. Why do you got to give her high heels? Well, they're rocket boot attachments. She like skates around and does like propulsion moves with the with the boots. So the, the roller skate Samus suit weirdos are right right along with where she's at. Granted, they were in OG as well. Yes, they were. I think we talked about them two episodes ago. OG Zero Suits. Yeah. Red 13 parkours right into our faces, gives us a look, and then breaks through the glass in Hojo's loft and very nearly runs him down, but Hojo manages to escape into an elevator and goes away. Red turns around and walks towards us, but Aerith calmly approaches, puts her hand on his head, and does that magical, ancient communication thing that I think she did with Marlene in Seventh Heaven a few chapters ago, and then the thing relaxes and it talks. Right. And here we have the pseudo-intellectual pandering again. Barrett goes, so what the hell is it? And Red goes, a fascinating (laughs) question. You asked what it is. I am what you see before you. Nothing more. I appreciate it if we simply left it at that. So what the hell is it? A fascinating question. Did it just talk? You asked what it is. Hmm. I am that which you see before you. Nothing more. I'd appreciate it if we simply left it at that. An improvement, I'm going to say. I don't mean to harp on it too hard, but now that I'm older. I'll just say, okay, Bill Clinton. <laughs> it. Oh, man. It de- what, what was that quote? It depends on what your definition of is is. Depends on the definition of what it is is. <laughs> it depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. You think Barrett would be a big fan of Bill Clinton? Barrett? No, absolutely not. Probably not, no. Yeah, when it comes to, I mean, he was the president at the time of this game's creation. Mm-hmm. So if you're representing like a nation fused with capitalism and there is a giant evil like figurehead to that, uh, this is not my personal opinion on the matter, but I'm saying if you're a Japanese man writing a story about a country 
that has been made one with capitalism and that country in the past has devastated your own country with pointless warfare, then at that period in time when Final Fantasy VII was developed and launched, that man would have been Bill Clinton, right? But the correlation between Red 13 and Bill Clinton is just in the definition of it joke. Not making any other lines drawn there. Red claims that the name Red 13 is a designation given to him by Hojo, but he doesn't give his real name to us. Uh, We're simply allowed to call him by his lab rat name. (laughs) Uh Right. We take control of Cloud again, and he hallucinates. We are staggering towards that elevator Hojo disappeared uh, into. We uh, we see flashes of some water tank with weird sci-fi shit in it. It's the Genova containment chamber. There's a long sequence of him walking towards the elevator. I forget what the name of the song is. Those chosen by the planet plays. Thank you very much for singing it out, Nate. And we hear Sephiroth's voice, too. We don't see him, we just hear his voice. He says, together we will reclaim our world, and they'll come again. Together we will reclaim our world. They have come again. This is referencing the Nibelheim scene. And so, somewhere in there, when Sephiroth is, like, worshipping the Genova pod that he is uncovered within the Nibelheim reactor. He's saying, mother, we're going to reclaim our world. So he's still in this. This is a, this is not Sephiroth's current mission. This is, this was when his in his mission at that stage in his journey. And then cloud entering the room. He says something along the lines of like, Oh, they've come again. So obviously we can't share any vocal clips of these quotes in original because, well, there aren't any, but we can pull these quotes from the Final Fantasy VII anime, The Last Order, which is a retelling of the Nibelheim incident from Zack's perspective. Mother, let's take this planet back together. Mother, they've come again. When we get to the elevator, We get a complete and steady shot of the Genova containment chamber, and we see her body. Cloud says, mother, and then faints. Any googly eyes on the boobs? Not that I remember. (laughs) Genova has progressively gotten, like, more hot as the years have gone on since the game's originally released. (laughs) She was very creepy. I thought she had, like, big... With the way the shading was in the original like OG with the helmet she wore. There's definitely this perception of mine that she had big, like area 51 alien eyes, like an actual alien. Okay. If you, if you go back and look at that original PlayStation one scene of him pulling the, like the statue out of the way, all the pipes disconnect fluids flying everywhere. And then they zoom in on the pod. Now imagine seeing that on a, like, tube tv in 1997 and the shading of all that there's there's just this big like dark gap where the eyes are so anyway what follows next is a short scene featuring the turks sung reno rude the three of them are hanging out in sung's office reno looks fucked up from the plate collapse sung thinks reno needs some r&r Rude wonders if the collapse was necessary at all. Sung placates them with unconvincing bullshit, in my opinion, that it was all part of the balancing of the scales, and if it was, if, if it wasn't you that pushed the button, someone else would have had to do it, and hey, should we be thankful that someone else doesn't have to bear that burden? You know, you can feel, you can feel good about that. Was all that necessary? Had we refused, someone else would have completed the task. We have spared that someone the burden of a guilty conscience. Perhaps that will ease yours. Yeah, no. Let's try another tack then. They were a sacrifice to balance the scales. After everything we'd taken from the planet, we were due to give something back. I think, uh, you know, that, that talk of him, like, balancing the scales, if you remember back to this was new content in remake or or like expanded content and remake him talking to Elmira like we had that question 
in one of our early episodes is like, is he a true believer in like, I guess the best thing you could call it in this fictional world is like planetology and the, the purpose and existence of the planet soul and everything. Like, is he a true believer that essentially he thinks Shinra is the device, the best device to essentially get his ancient girl that he cares a lot about to the promised land. And he isn't necessarily concerned with Neo Midgard. He's, he believes Aerith is like, he said it in that past thing. And I don't think he's lying because this statement of his is like saying, you know, Shinra is a giant piece of shit and we owe the planet. So as we take energy from the planet, we're going to have to sacrifice people from our own city to refeed that supply you know we've we must achieve some sort Mm -hmm. of balance and he just like this is the necessary evil to like get one step closer to the promised land essentially i'm getting vibes of he's actually a true believer like sleeper agent one way or another the scene ends when sung takes a phone call says the vp needs us and then everything fades to black end of chapter oh my god we made it As always, thank you for listening, everybody. At the end of the chapter, we think it's a good time to take a break. But another good reason is that we're about to get into the meaning of the whispers. Come back next week where we will discuss personal theories, popular fan theories, the double meaning of the word remake, who or what the whispers might represent outside of the game, popular reactions to the whispers among the fan community, and much more. See you again then. Tyler and Nate out! (laughs) 